This is back to back. Yo, what's up, back to backers? This is Willie Joy. Welcome to the show. This is Back to Back. This is my podcast. How we doing out there? How we feeling? It's good to be back with you. I hope you're doing well. I am recording this uh, on a Saturday afternoon after a bit of a late night. Uh, You can probably hear my voice is a little shot, but we're going to work through it. Look, guys, today on the show, returning to the show, uh, man, we had a good time. Felix Cartal is back on the show. He's got a brand new album out right now called Expensive Sounds for Nice People. God, that's a great title. It's a great album, and uh, I'm not the only person who thinks so. He's got a couple platinum singles off of there already. I told him this in the conversation you're about to hear, but it really feels to me like he's just really dialed in the Felix Cartel sound even more on this release. And if you happen to catch his first appearance on this podcast, you already know uh, Felix Cartel, just a treat of a gentleman to talk to. So as always, there's going to be a link in the description of this episode where you can go grab the Felix Cartel album, follow him, keep up to date with everything he is doing. Go do it. He's the best. And while you're there, of course, you're going to find another couple links. Uh, The first one, and perhaps the most important one, shall we say, is the link to our new Twitch channel. If you've been sleeping under a rock, if you've been away from the podcast and you're checking back in, maybe you're you're listening for the first time right now and this is news to you. Look, Back to Back is now live on Twitch. All of these episodes, I am recording them live and I want you to come be a part of them. Every Monday and Wednesday, live on Twitch, I'm recording these interviews and if you want to come hang out in the chat, you can actually come participate. You can ask questions, questions to my guests, questions to me. We do a little Q&A at the end of every episode. I'm really enjoying sharing these conversations with all of you in real time. You know, sometimes people will ask questions I hadn't thought of or just have really interesting angles on whatever we're talking about. It can really affect these interviews in a positive way. And even if you don't want to participate. I mean, it's just fun to see this happening live. Not to mention, also on my Twitch channel, uh, I'm going to be doing some DJ sets very soon, and every Friday on the Twitch channel is my new music review and demo drop show called Do It Bang, where every single week we're just trying to figure out, you know, do it bang? Uh, What makes music bang? We're listening to new releases each week, and we are taking submissions from the audience. So if you're a music producer, if you've got demos, whips, or even released songs that you just want some feedback on, you can come through the chat, you can send us links, and we'll listen to it live on Twitch, and uh, we'll give you our thoughts. I've been having a blast hanging out with everybody on Twitch, so come through, and whether you're able to make the live streams or not, you should definitely also come and join the back-to-back Discord. Man, that is the backbone of this community. Such a good group of people. We would love to have you come join. Again, if you're a music producer, you can come share your music there. Meet other people who are working on similar stuff, thinking about similar ideas. Come share your memes. Come talk about what's going on in your life. Everybody's welcome. So come follow me on Twitch. Join the Back to Back Discord, and we will be best friends for how long? 
Oh yeah, forever. But look, guys, today is all about Felix Kartal. Brand new album from him is out right now. And this one was a long one. We went on, man. Uh, We just have a good time when we get together. This one felt like it goes in the vein of classic back-to-back episodes. I mean, we talked about everything. He cracked me up like once every two minutes. It was kind of astonishing. And I think it's going to have the same effect on you. So I hope you enjoy this. Shout out to everybody who has been supporting the show, tuning in, listening every single week. Now that I'm recording two episodes a week on Twitch, I mean, I don't know. I I might have to start dropping some extra podcast episodes here and there, too. What do you guys think? You let me know. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're having a good week. As always, before we start the show, you know, I just want to support the people who support me, who support this podcast. So whatever it is that you're working on this week, whatever goals you're trying to accomplish, whatever you got your mind set on, I'm sending you that encouragement, that positive attitude. I believe in all of you out there, the people who listen to this show, uh, you already know, it's the the most attractive, most intelligent people on the planet Earth, and uh, I think you guys can do whatever you set your mind to. And for now, enjoy this episode. Let's do it. This is me and Felix Cartal, back to back. Let's go. Okay, first of all, without looking, when do you, how long was it when we last talked? How long ago do you think it was? I, I almost checked before we talked, <laughs> but I didn't. So this is going to be, oh man, has it been two years? It's okay. That's actually a good guess. I thought it w- it's been a little over one year. And okay. and I thought it was less than that. I was like, Jesus, it's been a <laughs> year. <laughs> I feel like I have to guess more than I think or something because of I don't know. Yeah, pain. yeah. It's I weird. think when I we might. when we last talked, it was in May of 2020. So it was like a couple months into lockdown, and uh, we had just switched over doing Zoom for the podcast and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think we were all just kind of processing what was happening. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, could, I couldn't remember if we talked about lockdown stuff or not. So yeah, that's why I, my guess was two years, I guess. I, I, I think we talked like very early, but it was still when we were figuring this shit out. Like, I don't think we knew it was going to be the long haul yet. Right. Yeah. Wait, yeah. are we live right now? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> that's like the best thing to ask while. while yeah, you're it's live. the best. That's the classic podcast question. So uh, when are we going to get started? Oh, yeah. we're starting. <laughs> We've already got you on tape. <laughs> um, but no, man. I so this is a question. I, I'll tie this in to to the new album, which is that when we last talked. Where I think you were being sneaky. You were like already working on what was going to be this new album, but I feel like we didn't talk that much about it. Yeah, I try to not. I'm like always constantly like between what do I share and what do I like work on quietly. And yeah. I feel like it's kind of like tw- like the 2020, 2021 take feels like you have to sort of like do both. Like you got to like have be putting content out. Yeah, but I like kind of think it's fun to like save the big stuff and like surprise people with it because there's got to be a little bit of a um, 
I don't know. Like there's gotta be a little bit of like, Oh man, I didn't see that coming. Like I, that's like, that's what makes it exciting to follow. Uh, I think the artists that I like at least. So I, I, I try to do that a little bit on some level. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, man. I mean, it's, it's interesting because we're in the age of content production, right? And there's a certain mentality where it's like, no, you got to be in front of people all the time, posting every little thing you're doing. But then, you know, for you, and I think you do a great job of that. Like you're very active, I think, and we'll get into all the TikTok shit and and all that, but, (laughs) 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 but, but no, I mean, for you, is there a way you strike a balance? Is there, you know, when you know it's a bigger project, do you try to protect that information a little more? Like what's the balance for you of sharing versus keeping something to yourself? Do you think it's ready? Yeah, I think. Um, like for me, cause anytime there's like a new thing that comes out, I feel like there's a new thing every three or four months. They're like, you got to get on blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. the new thing. You got to get on, um, clubhouse. I never went on clubhouse. Do you know how many people um, told me you have to get on clubhouse? Oh right? man. <laughs> I was like, it was like every day for three months. And then I literally haven't heard about it one day since that three month period. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, fine i'm like if it worked for people like i'm happy for them and i'm happy that they like found some value in it but i think for me it's like i try to just realize like just because someone's saying i have to do it like doesn't mean you have to do it and my take is more like rather than i think a lot of times people like hear about a new thing and then they just think it's the thing that it's like popular for so i would say like tiktok is a great example of that like oh are you like dancing on tiktok i'm like does it seem like i would dance on tiktok like (laughs) have you ever seen me dance so my thing is i'm like oh i'll look into this thing and if there's a way that i think i can do it that feels like authentic to me then i'm on board but if i can't find like that angle for me then i usually just skip it yeah, I, I mean that makes sense. Well, I mean, so okay, let's just do it. What what was the angle for TikTok then? Like, why uh, why that I, one and not other ones? Well, it definitely was sort of. I got on it early as like, and then I didn't really like it, and then kind of like kept just sort of like going on it here and there, and then starting to find some content that I liked on it was helpful. So, just following people obviously like makes your algorithm a little more like catered to you, and then you sort of like see the ways that it could be used but um i think for me it was like i kind of thought the app was dumb so i was like i'm just gonna treat it like it's dumb right <laughs> and like like so, so offense, no no offense to tiktok but like it is kind of like i like there's this very like someone thought of a thing that second and then they just post it and i yeah. don't really feel like instagram and stuff feels like that anymore so it feels very spontaneous yeah uh, and I like that outlet because I think um, I think like creative should be a balance of like you have big projects that maybe you work on for years and then you have like things where you're like, hey, I had this idea and I'm gonna throw it out there and maybe it does a thing. And if it doesn't, then I just move on. Right. Yeah. I love that you said that, man, because I think, you know, if we think back to all of our favorite songs, maybe even favorite songs that you've written of your own. I mean, isn't a lot of it, uh, you know, the ones that just like came to you in a, in a flash and you don't know why and you just kind of throw it out there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you never know if it's gonna be the one that you like worked on for, for six months or the one that you worked on for, for like one day, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's kind of like, 
I feel like I was reading, listening to this podcast recently. Um, maybe I think we talked, did we talk about Seth Godin last time? I'm always listening to Seth Godin. I uh, no, we talked about a few other people. I think I was, I listened to back to like half of it earlier today, yeah. but I don't think we talked about Seth Godin. Um, do you know Seth, Seth Godin's stuff? Well, for anybody uh, who doesn't, who might be listening back later, what a little summary. Yeah. He's just, uh, he's kind of like was with, he was on email really early. He's, he's an older guy and he's like got a bunch of Ted talks and his, his basic like take now with books and talks is just about like creating work and like how to not be distracted by like any of the bullshit that prevents you from like shipping your work basically. And I love that. It's very like grounding and I love it when I'm like, stressed and he just is this very like logical approach to things. Um, but he was talking to get back to my original point is uh he was saying like um, Leonard Cohen wrote, you know, hallelujah in 20 years and Bob Dylan wrote, I'm so bad with Bob Dylan, Rolling Stone or whatever his big song was. Don't ask me. (laughs) Apparently in like 20 minutes. um, And he's like, what's the difference? (laughs) Mm, True. Yeah. And I'm so, it's kind of like you have to, I'm like, you might as well be open to both. Like, I don't think there's like a rule with like how long things should take. I think it's good to just like throw some stuff at the wall, but I think it's good to have the balance like, Sometimes I feel maybe with, I don't want to talk about like generations and stuff, but, but I guess I, the thing that worries me sometimes about all the like disposable content is it prevents people from maybe like working on some longer form content as well. Yeah, I I think that's right. And I think something I've been talking a lot about lately is I think both artists and listeners and fans have, are, are getting bad training right now in whatever era this is that like, yeah, because you're trained to just put it out there, keep putting it out, never stop, never take right. time. If you put out a longer project, then no one will consume it. There's like all these sort of fake rules that totally. were being sold. I, I don't know. So, I mean, to to turn it back to you and, and the new album, this is something you took more time with, right? And this yeah. is something you you kept to yourself for a while, How did that happen? Was that a conscious decision? Did it just sort of happen over time that you were writing and you kind of look back and you're like, oh, this is like a a cohesive collection of work. Maybe I should go in that direction. How did it take shape for you? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about sort of nowadays with music is um, the album can be sort of whatever you want it to be. So I had a couple singles on there that had already been out for a few years, like Love Me, Over It, things like that. Those songs are just really important to me and I love them. And, you know, like there's no rule, like whether or not I can put a song from 2018 on my album that comes yeah. out in 2021, which I love. Uh, but that being said, I guess, yeah, I kind of was like, I'm always just kind of working on songs and I'm sort of like stock, not stockpiling them, but I, I'm not just like working on a song and then I put out the song and then I work on the next song. I don't really work that way. I'm just kind of constantly working on a bunch. And then if I feel like one should come out, I'll put it out. But if not, yeah, I, I once I have sort of a group of songs, I'm like, then I kind of start to think of them as like a package. And then from there, maybe like the next song I write might be informed from like how those four songs sound together rather than just how one song sounds by itself. Mm. And for me, like with the album, I don't really like, I'm not like one day I'm going to sit down and be like, I'm going to start my album today. It's not really like that. It's more like, I'm just going to keep writing. Cause I, all I care about is like, I want every song to be good and yeah. consistent. Like consistency is like my main driving force for anything that I make. 
And yeah, I was, so I, was, I had all these songs I was working on kind of like random. And then when I wrote the first song on the album, which I didn't know would be the first song, um, when I finished it, I was kind of like, this feels like the intro to something. And that was kind of like the trigger in my brain to be like, okay, I'm going to start figuring out if this could be mm. a record, I guess. So I mean, yeah, it's not like this grandiose intention, yeah. but I'm as an artist, I'm always like, my goal is to make albums. Cause that's all, that's pretty much all I care about. Hmm. Do you think, why is that? Is that because you grew up with albums that were album like as an important part of, you know, your formation as an artist? Like, where do you think that comes from? Uh, yeah, 100%. Because growing up, um, that's pretty much the only way I listened to music was um, my parents would, my dad would play me an album or something. I would wait till like a new album would come out, go buy the CD. And I would like lay on my floor, open the lyric book and just like do it front to back. And that was like a really cool experience. And I look forward to that so much, especially if it was a band yeah. that I really loved. Um, and even to this day, like if I hear a song that I like, um, I'll usually see if it's on an album and then I'll go and check out the record. Um, yeah. I, I love that, man. Cause in, in this day and age, when you do click through and, and listen to the whole album or whatever it is, there's almost a, it almost feels like you're discovering a secret, you know, because I think the way the platforms push it, it's always singles based. It's always, you know, whichever song is streaming the best, whatever. But then, yeah, it's almost like this weird reverse discovery if you actually click through and, and find that there's like this wealth of, of other music, you know? Totally. And I love that. And yeah, I mean, what about you? Do you listen to, al are you an album person or how do you consume music? Usually? I mean, I definitely, that's how I grew up. Absolutely. Same as you, uh, you know, new album drops from a band I loved. I would absolutely go buy it the first day it dropped, listen to it front to back, probably listen to nothing but that album over <laughs> and over for like two weeks. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I absolutely loved that part of it. But yeah, I mean, these days, man, I don't know. I, I'll still listen to an album, but it's, I feel like I've been trained badly now. Like I don't seek it out as much as I used to. Yeah. And, no. And especially in dance music, I don't know. I mean, even like, you know, people don't send me albums, people send me singles, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's not like, um, I don't think every dance artist like needs to make albums. I'm just like, that's what I like to do. And I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like a gangst artist who like just want to do like the single like DJ culture thing too. Cause like, I love that right. in a totally different way. Um, but yeah, I actually feel like there is kind of this shift with like some of the electronic artists. Like, I don't know, you think of like San Holo and stuff where I yeah. kind of feel like it's these people that are, taking the these kind of like band ideologies and then applying them to dance music right and i like i think that's really exciting so i love, I, I completely so, yeah, i completely agree saying. i mean it's uh, so you and i were talking before we went live here that earlier today i was talking to busy p and we actually he and i talked about this idea a little bit because he, uh, I, I was kind of just having a little fun, but I, I read him this old quote he said about how DJs aren't rock stars. And then I kind of put it to him that he was sort of partially responsible for DJs becoming rock stars through all of his work. 
And uh, it's interesting because I think then if, so if DJs are rock stars, then I think what you're talking about is a logical next step, right? Because it's, there, there's like a weird disconnect where if you're a pure DJ playing other people's music, but you're being perceived like a rock star, I, yeah. I think there's like a logical inconsistency with that, where I think if you want to keep growing as an artist, if you want to step further into like the role of a rock star or the role of that kind of thing, I think, yeah, you have to look to, well, what did rock stars do? What did bands do? You know, what yeah. what did work for them? And I think that kind of like ties it back in logically and makes it make sense to people, you know? Totally. And um, yeah, it's funny that, did he agree with that when you said that he was responsible for making DJs rock stars? Yeah, uh, he agreed 100%. <laughs> and he kind of said that the beauty of it was that both ideas can exist simultaneously that, you know, DJs aren't rock stars and you shouldn't take yourself too seriously. And, you know, you should basically be humble and, and have no ego yeah. about it. But that if you do that and if, you know, you have good intentions and just good ideas, then of course, why shouldn't you have fun and like take it to its its most extreme, the furthest extent that you can, you know? Totally. Yeah. And I definitely, I mean, obviously he was involved with uh, justice really heavily and you know i would say what made them massive at that time was the fact that they just dropped this album that was very cohesive very exciting from front to back and it kind of rocked electronic music in like a really new way that was it was super inspiring for me as an as someone who came from a punk rock background to uh like see that energy from like my world being like applied to a dance floor and it like blew my, it blew my mind. And still to this day, it was like the catalyst for what made me uh, like fall in love with electronic music for sure. Yeah. I, I completely agree, man. I mean, if you, th this is an open-ended question and you don't even have to have an answer for it, but if you think back to those early Felix cartel days, Bloghouse mm. days, electro days where they, it really did sort of embody that punk spirit in a lot of ways do you have any memories from those times that just you think about a lot that maybe like run in your head in the background a lot for for any reason like it doesn't even have to be like a significant thing well i actually i have a very like good story that it goes in line with what you have been saying today already and it was my third show ever i had moved to glasgow for school and i opened for justice and busy p i i just told busy p this story like an yeah. hour ago there's probably, there's probably there's probably he wouldn't remember because i was like so nothing at that point but like um it blew my like they paid me like a twelve pack of Heineken. It was right. great, <laughs> um, and and I, my response was, I get to go to the Justice show for free. Yeah. Like I was so stoked. So um, that was so cool. Like blew my mind, and um, yeah, it was just like it felt like shows. It didn't feel like con. I don't know. It didn't feel like I, that was the other thing. They kind of like, and maybe we touched on this last time, but they kind of like flipped the club ecosystem on its head a little bit where um you know like there's dress code and all this weird shit at clubs when when yeah. i was going so uh, i just kind of felt like you you could just go if you you like the music and at that in that sense it felt more like a show not that they were like not letting people in the clubs but there was like all these kind of like hoity-toity rules oh yeah and it was a very i think before that era you know going to a club it was like a very specific subsection of people you know it was like 
it was not maybe that diverse in any number of ways. And I think that to me was something that the electro era and the blog house era and, and, you know, that mid to late 2010s or, or I mean, 2000s era did was all of a sudden people were getting together again from all different walks of life, uh, you know, everybody dancing together, you know, different colors, creeds, sexualities, all that yeah. in a way that we hadn't seen since, you know, for at least what, 10 years before that. Totally. Yeah, it was definitely it, it was a rejuvenation rejuvenation to the scene that was uh, felt very necessary and timely. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I mean, how how are you thinking about going back to live shows now? You know, as we're starting to open up a little bit, I know the U.S. is a little ahead of, uh, of Canada at the moment, but, you know, we're all trying to trying to get there. Like what has anything changed in your mind about the way you want to present your music going forward? Obviously, I'm sure, you know, you're thinking about album tour, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think um, I actually have a show on Friday, which is crazy in Calgary. Oh, Uh, amazing. Yeah. Calgary is like wide open since July 1st. So that sounds like Calgary. Yeah. Board of Canada, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, Calgary. Am I wrong that Calgary is kind of like the South, like the the U.S. South of yeah, Canada? Yeah, it's kind of like the the Canadian Texas because it's like oil country and stuff. That's so, what I thought. I always um, got those vibes. And they, it's the thing I'm playing is Calgary Stampede, which is like their weird cowboy stampede every year. So it's like oh, man. people are always like, "Wait, there's cowboys in Canada," and I'm like. In in Alberta, there are. Yeah. Oh, um, oh there's cowboys. I mean, yeah. I always wanted to go to Stampede, man. That looks so fun. Oh, yeah. It's such a fun time. I'm not shitting on it or anything. It's just like, it is it's just kind of weird because I'm like, well, wait, there's like this whole cowboy thing and and everyone's like wearing cowboy hats and stuff. And well, it's right. Super- it's, it's weird to play a, a DJ show for cowboys, right? Like- yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also played a blues fest one year and I thought that was weird too. So everything's weird at this point because they're just... There's, I feel like there's a DJ uh, stage at every festival. Now. There really is. I mean, okay, th- this is an aside, and then we'll come right back to this. It have, what's the most out of place you've felt at a show? Like, are there any super weird bookings that come to mind of just like, why? Why did you ask me here? Yeah, I've done thing. Like I've done some radio stuff where like it's a bit of a radio tour, but all the other artists are just singers. Right. And then like I just go on at the end of DJ uh, and they're like, yeah, the DJ closes out, but no one in the crowd because it's more like a, a little bit of a corporate thing. Yeah. Um, no one has like ever been to a DJ show. So they're just like, wait, what is this? He's like, <laughs> when is he going to sing? Right, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why is he just standing there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're always like, you want to do 20 minutes? And I'm like, uh, I guess I could do 20 minutes, but like, yeah. I don't know, a 20 minute DJ set. This oh, doesn't, man. yeah, you, what, you, what can you like do? just get in the pocket and then like, all right, you're good. Yep. You're done. <laughs> it's like a comedian set, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like go up for a quick um, five. Yeah. So, sorry, back to your question about live shows. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about like how I want my show to feel. Um, obviously like I really want to do some production stuff and I'm hoping that now that I've had, um, some Canadian radio success, like hopefully that will open me up to some better slots at festivals where I can, I can try and execute some ideas I have. Cause I definitely have a lot of them 
and I feel capable to build a show that is engaging. Um, but yeah, I kind of was, I've been thinking like, especially I've been doing like this Twitch stream a little bit. I've just kind of been open format DJing and we've kind of like been going through it every night. And it, I realized my, the flow of my sets sort of like unveiled themselves to me just by doing it. And it was like, I love these like party house kind of vibes and like upbeat fun stuff, which I would say is like the majority of my new album. Yeah. And then I kind of have like the feelsy stuff, which is my sunset mixes, which is where I'm self remixing my stuff. And then I have this kind of like weird banger tendency that was like embedded in me from, you know, growing up with this stuff. Yep. And I kind of have been like thinking about structuring sets in the way that you can kind of like go on more of a journey through these different feelings rather than um, not, not being like so open format that you're just like, I play everything. Cause I, right. I don't like that, but also not just playing. Cause I probably am getting associated with commercial, more commercial EDM now because of radio success and things like that. Um, but I definitely want to still like throw the curveballs of like my, what I've been into and stuff. So I think yeah. like I've been working on like building a few things that showcase that I think in like an interesting way. So um, I've actually been working on a thing very quietly that will like hopefully showcase what I mean very nice. soon. And uh, I wish I could announce. Oh, it's, dude, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Like, like, like we were yeah, talking about, yeah, you, you got gotta protect something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got the vision for sure. I just, uh, and actually in a weird way, like the pandemic has been like this silver lining of like giving me time to like think about how to execute these things. Cause I've had so much time at home to just like work through stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it, I mean, you know, you mentioned like commercial success, people associating you with commercial EDM uh, all of that kind of thing. How do you feel about that? Like, because I think, you know, all of us who do this know that commercial quote unquote EDM, there's plenty of, you know, there's plenty of corny things. I think people, some people try to avoid it entirely. Some people engage with it, but try to not get lost in it. Some people go all the way in. Like, yeah. you know, I think we talked about this a little bit the last time we talked, how, you know, you've, you've evolved quite a bit as an artist over the years. Where yeah. are you at with it now? Like, it ha has the way you see yourself changed? Um, I mean, I, I think like, and I've talked about this with a few like um, other artists that are like sort of somewhat commercial, um, but like, you know, it's like learning. Like, I there is so much pop music that I love, and like coming to like grips with that and owning it maybe is like a, sometimes a hard thing, especially if you're coming through like whatever, whatever, uh, trajectory that I took. Um, but my thing is like, so now it's like, I, I'm, I'm sort of doing this question with myself where, um, you know, uh, if I hear a song on the radio, that's massive. Um, and I don't, like it though like i think it's cheesy or whatever i kind of like put myself in this figurative like if that person reached out for me to like do this song with them would i do it mm. just to like get that whatever level and i probably wouldn't i don't think like and that's been like really grounding to me it's more like i love so much pop music but i hate there's so much bad pop music too yeah. and i'm like so it's like i think there is so much cheesy shit and i won't 
I think it's just knowing like I won't just do any of it. Yep. At any cost, just to like try to get I don't know fifty million streams or whatever it is. Yeah, of, so, of course. I mean that that makes total sense, and I think maybe this goes back again to what we were talking about of not just doing it for doing its sake, not just doing it for content or cloud or or whatever it is. So there's actually. Uh, I, I got sent like a little press packet for you uh, from your team. And I, I've literally never done this before, but there's actually like a, a poll quote that I'm going to read because I thought it was really good uh, okay. from you, which uh, said, growing up arguably through one of the worst eras of one hit wonders in musical history, I remember constantly being disappointed when I bought an album and there was only one good song. <laughs> which, which is a great quote, and I think goes back to you know you running to the store and buying the album and and listening and all, all the way through, but I think also ties into what you were just talking about, right? Where it's that you want to give other people the experience you had, right, and be that be that reliable artist where anything you're putting out, regardless of what it sounds like, is something you can stand behind. Totally, and that's kind of brings me to my other like mantra i guess that i've developed over the last three years which is like basically all i try to do is make a song that i would want to hear um and that could be poppier or less poppy or whatever um because i like lots of types of music and like it is what it is i love music i just love music as a whole and um so you know i um i, I made this joke a long time ago that people always think i play toxic live as a joke, <laughs> but I don't, I play it cause I fucking love that song. Like oh, I honestly, like yeah. I like wholeheartedly love that song. It's an incredible, no, song. like yeah. not trying to be like jumping on some trend or like, Oh, it'd be random if a DJ plays a pop song or anything. I'm like, no, I literally just love this song and I want to play it. Oh, I mean, uh, I, I would not trust anyone who didn't like that <laughs> song. Like that's such an insane <laughs> pop song. Oh yeah. It's so, and if it came out tomorrow, it'd still sound like it's from the future. Like the production really, really holds up. Shout yep. out Bloodshine Avant and uh yeah, yep. yeah. so I, I I don't know. It's like I know doing more commercially and stuff is like sort of like a risk in a weird way because there is always gonna be like the shit talkers who like think that I might be just the guy who is like, oh, they just send me the song and then I like put it out and that's like my new commercial song. And I guess like maybe that's the other reason why I like love albums so much is because it's kind of like, I think it's my way to like show that I care on a different level, hopefully. I I don't know. Like I'm not trying to like compare it to anyone, but all I can do is like show that I care about this thing that I made and um yeah like you know this the songs i i i'll get maybe one one song here or there sent to me that i was like oh this is really amazing and i want to be involved with it and then maybe i'll work through with the vocalist like over email or something but the majority of this album like i was in the studio writing every single song all the lyrics like we're all writing all these songs together and they're about themes that I have sitting in my notes on my phone because I want to talk about it because I want the album's my album and I have all these amazing singers, but 
the way that I feel is like we're singing about the things that like I want to talk about. Uh, yeah. It's just that I can't fucking sing, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, relatable, my friend. Um, but let's talk about the you know the songwriting process a little bit because you were saying you know you work every day. Consistency is important to you. But mm. it's, you know, some t- it's not always finish a song, start a new song, finish that song, start a new song. So yeah. I guess two part question. How does this for you typically, how does a song start? And then second part of the question, how do you know when a song is finished? <laughs> um Good question. I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> I, I was hoping you knew, so then I would know. <laughs> uh, sign up for my master course and I'll tell you. It's right, yeah. $99 a day. Um, no, um, I guess, you know, over time, like I've sort of learned now that I write with people that if you come in with like a fully fleshed out instrumental, I usually find that to be counterintuitive to making something because I don't think people want to be like too informed, like right off the bat. So it's like, there's like so much suggestion if you have like everything already done and it like feels like now you're like writing in a box. So for me, it's more like I'll just come in with like a couple chord progressions that I like all the ones that I like, I'll make five or maybe four or five that I like and then I'll be like, play them through. And if someone's like, oh, that one's cool. And I'm like, cool. I already know that I like it because I only brought ones that I like. And then we'll just kind of, you know, maybe riff some like melody ideas like that. And then the biggest change in my production, I would say, was rather than just like, I don't know. Like I, I felt like there was some disconnect sometimes when I listened to a lot of electronic music where it was like this vocal that tells this beautiful story and then this like drop comes out of nowhere. I was like, yeah. uh oh yeah. <laughs> kind of feels like a remix sometimes to me, which is totally fine. Like maybe that'd be a good edit for a show, but but I was kinda like I really honestly like I felt really fortunate to work with vocalists that I felt were like way out of my league sometimes. So yeah. In my head I was like I really wanted to like do their vocal justice and like amplify the theme of what they're saying, how they're saying it. And then also showcase what I can do, but like in a way that's not just like overstepping. So I really like, when I think of a collab, I'm like literally like, how do I make this like split down the middle, like feel like a collab. So it feels like both people are part of this, not just like someone hopped on my freaking EDM beat that says four, three, two, one before the drop. And then <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless it's a song about putting your hands up, then, then maybe that would work. Yeah. Th- then maybe that's all right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's really interesting to, to hear that, man. Do you like when you're starting a song, writing chord progressions, that kind of thing are you the start of a song are you hoping for all your songs to be collabs like are you always writing thinking about you know like presenting it to someone else getting somebody else's input um not everything like i definitely have my like that's like one day of like that's one style of day of writing and then i have like the other day where i'm just like kind of call it like more like exploratory mode where you know i might like a weird um i don't know i might hear like an old house song that i like i might hear like a rufus du soul like instrumental track that i like i might hear like an odessa halftime beat that i like 
just things that inspire like tourists or something, some weird like electronica yeah. that I don't hear like in my scene that often. And um, sometimes I'll just have days where I'm like, I kind of want to like try and maybe like do something in this vein and then I'll just screw around with it. And um, you know, on the album, I don't, not every song has a feature. They most, most of them do, but there's a few on there. And those were kind of like my exploratory vibes and, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's both. Like I, I still want to also be able to showcase myself as a producer and not like purely rely on, on like hooks too. So it, it's like, for me, it's a, a marriage of those two things. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I really like, um, uh, going up on the album, which is one of those solo tracks. And yeah, it's interesting now to hear you say that. It's like, okay, that's, that's you like trying something, having fun. And totally. yeah, that's, it makes, makes a lot of sense, man. I mean, there, so I'm trying to think there's, as I was listening to the album, there's like some common, I mean, there's lyrically common themes, of course, but uh, musically as well, I feel like, and correct me if you disagree with this statement, but I feel like it's closer to a signature sound, quote unquote, than I've ever heard from you before. Like, I feel like you've you've dialed it in somehow or like just gotten closer to some kind of like, cohesive stamp yeah well thank you that's very nice no absolutely uh, um, man yeah i think i definitely like have maybe not my like i guess sort of like my tropes a little bit to fall back on i feel like i have sort of my toolkit a little bit more figured out maybe um and i definitely um you know i i definitely noticed this when i listened to a lot of the thing is, as for me, I kind of like describe production in two stages, like of, of a, in a career. It's like the first part, the first half of your life is like, how the fuck do I even make it sound like close to what I hear in my head? Yeah. And that's like the first 10 years or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> it could be longer, it could be shorter. Um, and that's frustrating. Uh, but you get a lot of like random things that happen and that's exciting because you like stumble upon something. And then the second half is now I'm like, okay, I pretty much can figure out what like, if I have like a vibe in my head, I can pretty much get it on paper now, but now it feels more like, okay, now what do I choose to like express that idea uniquely and also to feel like me? So like it comes, it becomes more like sound selection. So, you know, just, just things like, like there's a lot of EDM that sounds like very like digital to me, yeah, like really crisp. And like those people are, arguably probably like they're like probably way more talented than I am because they're like getting in there, you know, with like scientific EQ and all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, and kudos to those guys, but I like that doesn't interest me at all. And like figuring out that out that I like, eh, it's not for me is like really helpful to me because then it helps me like inform my sound. Like I'm always trying to like make things, I always joke that I'm trying to make things sound worse. <laughs> right. Uh, Cause I like, I like when things sound a little more like organic. So if I have a piano, I'm like, how do I like make this sound detuned a little bit? And like, it's underneath a blanket that is like, being played out of a speaker that is also underneath a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, putting blankets on everything, I think, is, is really the takeaway here. <laughs> um, but no, man, I, I think that's spot on. And I think you you accomplished that for sure. They're, like listening to some of the tracks, there there is kind of like a nostalgic sound to the album too. 
that I didn't catch the first time around. I, I only caught it kind of later today when I was listening back that, uh, yeah, and I don't know if that only comes from the the processing on it and sort of trying to make it a little more punk, a little, which also, by the way, seems like that's kind of back to the roots, right? We were talking about coming up in the punk days and when everything was a little messy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, certainly when you first came out and were dropping tunes and a lot of your contemporaries were as well. I mean, if you objectively look back, a lot of those tunes, and not yours, but I'm saying everybody's were like badly made, you know, by today's <laughs> standards. Yeah. <laughs> but there's something great about that. Yeah, I think it's because there is way less samples available. That's like a huge part of it. Um, no tutorials and stuff too, right? Like the, the yeah. or like at least way less. Um, so yeah, that was like a really exciting time. And I think I'm like, I romanticize that a little bit because it was like, sometimes now I feel like there's, to me, like the most exciting artists are the ones where I still don't really know what their next single is going to sound like. And then the ones that I can kind of like call, then they sort of like die out for me a bit faster. Yeah, true. I would say from that era, like, man, when there was like the real like banger guys, like Boys Noise and I mean, Boys Noise still to this day is the same way, but um, you like D.I.M. and like people like that. Um, Good good pull on D.I.M., yeah. Yeah. Um, It would just be like... I have no idea what their next song is going to sound like. And uh, it was so exciting when you saw that they dropped something new to just see what they came up with. So I guess like maybe I, I do try to apply a bit of that now when I'm, I'm working. Cause it's like, I don't know, just weird things. Like I discovered a Mellotron plugin that I really love. And I like use that a lot on this album because it reminded me of like, I mean, it's from what is it? Strawberry fields. It's like the iconic right. Mellotron song. And that is nostalgic to me. So maybe that makes it feel nostalgic. Um, but I yeah. was just like, I never really heard Mellotron in a lot of dance tracks. And that was kind of, it just felt like I, I was like stumbled upon something that day that felt uniquely me. And I don't know if it fits, but it felt like it fit to me. And that's enough. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and I think what you said too is important that intention matters, right? That... Uh, I mean, this is, I'd actually be curious to know your take on this, but, you know, I think you can hear in a weird way, you can hear the intention, right? Like if you put the Mellotron on the track thinking that it sounded nostalgic to you and maybe it would be nostalgic to other people, you know, even if somebody who doesn't know what a Mellotron is, hears that something about the intention of that choice that you made uh, it connects in the brain somewhere. I don't know. It's it, like it, if we keep going down this road, it gets a little like hippie and, and woo woo. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. What, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think because I think anything sonically that you're picking probably um, has like a place in someone's brain, even if they can't describe like where they've heard it. But like certain sounds obviously like draw out certain emotions because they're like tied heavily to something more so than others. And like Mellotron to me just like immediately takes me back to like late sixties or, yeah, uh, or like mid sixties and early seventies, I guess. Um, I'm sure there's music nowadays that uses it, but like <laughs> it just has that sound. And I, even if someone couldn't put it into words, like they probably like heard it and then it would make them think of like the records from that time. So yeah, I definitely agree with your point that, sounds hold a lot of like 
yeah that's i mean that's all music is right you're trying to like find that blend of like how do you make something feel familiar to someone even if they haven't heard it i think that's like a good thing maybe yeah that's such a good goal that's and i mean that's the magic of sampling too right like that's the magic of of dance music in general well not even just dance music but you know hip-hop and all of that is you can just immediately reference a different era and a different time period and a different culture, whatever it may be. And even if the person hearing it doesn't know what it is, there's that power. There is, I, I swear, there's something ephemeral in hearing something that was made in a different time period, even if you don't know what it is. I think there's something in your brain. There's something in that that's coded that tells your brain this is this is different. Yeah, no, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard thing to put into words, but I like, I know what you mean. And I, that's probably like one of the things that I love about music because it's hard. I, I think that's the, uh, why I always love music too, is it's hard to put some things into words about why I love it. I think that's kind of beautiful. In, in yeah, a, totally. I, I mean, not, not to go down your hippie dippy <laughs> lane as well, but. Uh, no, no. This, this, <laughs> I, this is great. I completely agree, man, because I'm, I think I'm like you in a lot of ways in our last podcast we were talking about how you like to break down certain myths in in what we do like the myth of uh the myth of like pure talent or yeah. or the myth of like making it like you just make it one day and then you're fine you know all <laughs> yeah. those sorts of things and i'm i'm the same way where I, when a lot of people talk about sort of these lofty concepts i think it's sort of a like a cop out it, it, where where really the answer is just like hard work and practice and and like you Always. said consistency right 100% but then there's something like we're talking about now this like weird thing of like how do we produce nostalgia and why does it make me feel that way i don't have an argument to break that down so i think that's maybe that's maybe why i keep getting drawn to it does that make sense yeah and to add to your point, like I, I would say, I, I almost feel like I might have a more mathematical brain than an artistic brain. I don't know. It's, I feel like I'm a weird mix of both maybe, but um, like I like to try to solve a problem if there's a problem. Yeah. Um, that's like, you know, probably why my ex-girlfriends hate me because they don't, they're just like, why, why are you trying to solve this? I just want to like yeah. <laughs> complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I, I think like that's why I love music is because like it feels like you can't solve it. So, but it feels like it's fun to try to keep trying. So, like this always happens. Like I'll stumble upon a new thing in music, and I'm like, oh man, like I think I just figured out how to mix bass today. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm good now, right? <laughs> and then it's like three months later, you like look, back, listen back to that, and you're like, oh. If only, I, like, I'm not, I wasn't even close yet. You know, it's just like, and it constantly feels like everything is always like, I'm going to quote my, one of my own, one of my own songs right now. Like the, like, uh, oh, wait, now I can't even remember my quote of my own song. Jeez. <laughs> but basically like the more I learn, like the less I know is kind of like the, yeah. the uh, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. That's like, and I like, yeah, that's like my favorite shit about like creative stuff. Cause it's like, yeah, no one knows. That's the whole like I'm sure when you started the podcast show, you were you were like, "This is gonna like a hundred percent work." Oh like, no. There's no, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, very much not. I, I'm st yeah. I'm still not sure this is gonna work. <laughs> yeah, 
I feel that way about making music too. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. No, that, I'm always like encouraging people, like just make the thing because it's like, what else can you do? Not make the thing, and then just like, it's way worse to like not make the thing and and imagine like what would happen if I made the thing. It's way better to like know if the thing didn't work and then you can try the next thing. Oh, a hundred percent. And it affects the way you make creative choices because if you're, if you're only making the thing to get to some eventual end point, then that's, you've kind of already defeated yourself. Like if you set off writing this album and, and your goal was, I'm going to have platinum records and I'm going yeah. to headline festivals as opposed to I'm going to make a cohesive body of work with my friends and and do something fun. Like that changes yeah. the outcome wildly, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I love that you brought that up because uh, man, anything I can read about process and like less about outcome, I like eat that up so much. Cause it's, Cause if you have like all, like I, I it's good to have goals. Like goals are different cause they're kind of like not as like pinpointed, but, um, you know, if, if you have a specific thing for, th- for like a project you did and then it doesn't hit that, then like in your brain, like that whole thing could feel like a failure, which is like, that's what will break you. I think, yeah. you, you know, that's what makes you quit. Um, you know, I always hear like people like, Oh, I have like, if I don't do this in a year, then I'm going to go back to like my other job. And I'm just kind of like, just go back to your job now. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of arbitrary. Yeah. Like, like, like what's the difference between like 365 days and like 400 days? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but you know, if your if your goal is I want to be able to finish a song faster than I can finish a song now, or I want my song to be better than my song was, or, or like those kind of goals, like those are, those are way better goals. Cause the other like things, other things will happen, and you're always going to have the thing that you wish you also had. With you know, like I'll, I have some wins, but then like I'll be thinking about the thing that I didn't have the win on. And if you like focus on that, like you're 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 miserable. So yeah, like you gotta like find the joy in the work, I think, and then any of the outcomes you gotta just take as sort of like the dessert, the bonuses. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's exactly how I think about it. But as we're talking, I'm realizing also, and this sort of goes back to, to what you were saying about like the older you get, the more you realize you don't know anything, is that <laughs> it, we both know people who don't think this way at all and very successful people. Like I know people right. who... Ooh, ooh, let's go now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can, give you, I can give you one example at least, which is, uh, which is a good friend of mine, uh, formerly Brills, now LS Dream. And I, yeah. I think he would be fine with me saying this. Like he makes, uh, he makes mood boards every year and he puts, you know, very concrete goals on these mood boards of like, you know, maybe it's like a, a picture of uh, someone playing in front of 10,000 people, or maybe it's a platinum, right. a picture of a platinum plaque or whatever. And, you know, he he's very into that kind of visualizing, manifesting, whatever you want to call it. And, and I'm only using him as an example. There's plenty of people who I think think that way and are right. that kind of like goal oriented. And so it works for some people. It would definitely not work for me. But yeah, it's interesting. Is it a to timeline, think- though, or is it just kind of like 
there to remind him of like what he was originally focused on? You know, or does he have like a cut, a cut timeline for it? Uh, no, I don't think it's a cut timeline, but I think he does remake the vision board uh, like every year. Right. You know, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I should ask him before I talk <laughs> too yeah. much about no, no, exactly no. what he thinks, but no, and I know people that that have those as well. And I, I don't think that's, yeah, I don't know if that's exactly the same, maybe, but yeah, because you definitely want to like write down what your goals are, I think, or at least have them in your head on, on some level. If that's like your only motivation is an outcome, yes. Yes. it seems like a lot, it seems like a lot to weigh everything on. So, like, I had a goal that, like, I wanted to hear my song on the radio one day um but if i had put a timeline on it i would have quit a long time ago because <laughs> yeah. it took me like 11 years <laughs> so i mean that's that's uh, a really good point man because yeah you, <laughs> that's the other thing right is you can't plan for most of this shit you can absolutely yeah. have whatever goals you want to have but like you also have to be aware that it's you no matter what you do you can't make it happen when you want it to happen you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Kind of envious of those people. And I was like, man, I wish I still had goals. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back, but, I mean, that's true, right? There, There is like a, a certain optimism and a certain like, maybe we're just too jaded at this point. <laughs> I like, I'm always like, yeah, am I jaded or am I just, because I get this a lot, like when the album comes out and stuff like where I have a thing come out and they're like, people are like, oh, like, so how's it do? How's the album doing? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Like, what is that? What do you ask? Like, what do you mean? Right. Like how it, what's the number of streams? Are you asking like, did I get five DMs from people saying they enjoyed it? Right. <laughs> do, am I happy that it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Done? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. And I know they're just asking it like, I'm not like, it's a nice question that they like are, are, are asking and they care. Like that's, it, it, I'm not getting mad at this person, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, what am I? What am I weighing that question on? I have no idea. So, if you have a way to answer this question, that would be helpful. But <laughs> <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what to say. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, seems to be, uh, seems to be on Spotify still. Right. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, all I think you can say, and you know what? I'll actually, I'll, I'll bring this around because there's another thing that that Sammy LS Dream said to me once that I remembered is that uh, now instead of saying, talking about success, he just talks about that he's proud of it. Like to him, that's, if anyone asks how it was, he's just like, I, I'm proud of what it is. I, I'm proud of what I put out. That's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, I think so too, man. I mean, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned that you, the, the, the goal of getting on the radio. And I think earlier you mentioned that you, at this point, you know, you, you've gotten quite a bit of radio activity, especially in Canada. And you've yeah. got, I mean, there's, there's platinum records. There's multiple platinum records on this album, right? Yeah. Two. How, how does that two. like? Yeah. yeah. I mean, two is multiple. <laughs> I, I think I said I was a math guy. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> but it's OK. So break this down, because I think a lot of people don't understand how a record gets to radio, what that is like, especially coming from like a more underground scene or mentality uh, I, I know in Canada, it, I think Canada is a little more supportive of, of its hometown team to a certain extent, yeah. but what, what was that process like of you of getting into the radio ecosystem? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had different labels over the years. Um, so when I left Dimmock, I signed with uh, Universal Canada and then kind of like restructured and now I'm on a subsidiary label, but we're still, still sort of like connected in that system. So I don't know. I'm always like, I don't know how, like, I don't know if it's possible to get on the radio without having like major label support. Yeah, it's so... That helps. Yeah, it's so... Um, yeah, that system is very, uh, it's a monopoly kind of, unfortunately. And it's still kind um, of old school, right? Yeah, it's very, yeah. Um, but that being said, like, I definitely had a period probably around like 2015 or so where I was kind of like, I'm going to write, I need to write, I want to write some more like radio songs to like, because I want to get on the radio. Yeah. And man, like the stuff I, I'm, <laughs> that's like the worst part of my career, I feel like. Um, <laughs> And that was when I I had like an album done of like 12 songs and I listened to it one day and I, and I, cause I thought it was like, this is more commercial is my like attempt. And then it was like, I listened to it front to back one day and I was like, this is, this album is terrible. This, hor- this is horrible. This album is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I literally just like, I'm like, I'm not going to listen to these songs ever again. And I just moved on yep. and it kind of like freed me a bit. But then it was kind of like, Cause I kind of was like, I, I like pop music and stuff. It's not like I'm trying to write something that I don't like fuck with. Um, but I was think I was trying yeah, I was kind of like doing it at any cost. It felt like. And then once I sort of like flipped my head around and be like, you know what? Like try to write a catchy song. The song that I think is catchy. I think that's like way better than trying to like write like a smash. Yeah. I think it's just like, Oh, just try to write a song that like, you 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 love and like maybe get stuck in your head i think it's like way better to approach it that way so my like my sort of like test that i try to like envision um is if my song just randomly came up on a playlist um would i skip my own song (laughs) like that's like what i think when i write a song i love that because there's so many like bad pop songs on like whatever the like pop or whatever new music playlist or whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, I probably have like a 50% skip rate when I'm listening to like the new music playlist or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I think mine would be much higher than that to be honest. Yeah. That might be, you know, me being generous. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> um, so I'm kind of like, okay, well, what are, what are, what are the ones on and like, and these are still songs that are like mainstream, all of them technically. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so what are the ones that are like in this world that are interesting to me? And what are they doing? That's cool to me that I feel like you can still sort of like get away with, um, that doesn't feel like tacky or cheesy. I think that's like the biggest thing that puts me off now about pop music is just when it feels like cheese. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that was really like, that was probably like my turning point for, I was like, I know I'm going to write things that are like somewhat pop and commercial. Cause like I legitimately love that stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, just thinking about whether or not I would listen to it yeah. was really helpful. Well, and that's, a, lot of times, a lot of time before I was thinking, I'm like, would other people listen to this? And yes. that was like very Yes. Bad. That's, that's such a good piece of wisdom, man, is that, that that's all it is, is would I listen to this? It's not about trying to predict what other people want out of you, right? Because that's like, that's an impossibility. Totally. And if you try to like, 
Man, if you try to write for everyone, like you're so fucked. Like I always feel like if you can find like a niche thing, like double down on your niche, especially like that, and that could be with anything. It doesn't even have to be within songwriting. That could be with your how you post on social media or like marketing or like anything. Like if you find like a weird thing that is authentic to you, like own that thing because that is what people will gravitate towards i think because they want to like it, it's like it's a it's like you become part of the, the club a little bit it's cool it's a cool feeling oh absolutely yeah and i think it's people are drawn to i've had this argument because not everyone agrees with me but i really do think on sort of a subconscious level people are drawn to art that is made authentically and and the argument the pushback i get on it is people saying like ah no but you know people fool the, their fans all the time or, you know, curate yeah. their image, blah, blah, blah. But to me, maybe you can do that successfully for a short period of time, but I don't think you can sustainably do that over the, the course of a career. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think maybe a lot of the people that have the curated images, the ones that do survive, even if that image turns out to be sort of like curated, um, you can tell who like, legitimately like loves music though i think that's like a big part of it you can tell who's kind of like planted in the industry to be like you're the you're the thing um and you can tell like maybe maybe they like made some choices that like weren't authentic to them but like almost always those people come around eventually being like i I wasn't doing what i want but i like love this so much that becomes like the that's the story now of a lot of the uh the pop stars that I grew up with, definitely. So that's yeah, that's really, really interesting, uh, man. Yeah, you're right because I, and, and that's the thing. You can own up to it later. It doesn't mean you know if you do something to try to please people or try something on to see if it fits. If you know what I mean, like oh, that is fine. But I think yeah, you gotta you gotta follow that that north star of just what you actually like. Like this is. Let me let me say this and see if you agree. This is one thing that was good for me in quarantine was the the enforced break. Like I, I did go a little crazy for a minute mentally, but coming back and putting the pieces back together, one of the things I really asked myself was break it down all the way. What do I like? Like I almost like I was like, I think I forgot what I like for a minute. Yeah. Like. No, I resonate with that so hard. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird having all that like extra time where you're not moving all the time. Yeah. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, moving, it's like I'm like traveling, just things like that. You, a lot of times I think, you know, maybe when I had, I had to like think about stuff, I probably was like, ah, just book a trip. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay. So, okay. Let me, let me press you on that though, because in this quarantine, you still did a shitload of stuff. Like it seemed like you were still yeah. super busy. Yeah. Cause I don't have any hob. I have no hobbies. I realize. I just only <laughs> like music. <laughs> <laughs> and, but like, honestly, I had to schedule stuff. Cause I, it, it, I, I have no schedule. That's the thing. Like I, I'm pretty good about going to studio like every day, but even that is like, it's a lot like it's any it's the same thing always so yeah you know i was doing my weekly stream because i was like this will like at least have a like a there's a pin in the week every, yep, every yep, week yep. which is helpful um and you know i was thinking like 
like the hardest part for me in the quarantine is like filling my weekends. Cause I like realize I don't know how to like have a weekend because I've always been traveling on, on the weekends. Yeah. Well, what, so, what does that look like? I mean, do you, do you get antsy if you don't have anything planned, don't have anything to do? Like is, is downtime a little painful for you? Yeah. I feel like I like forgot how to like invite friends to hang out and stuff. I mean, <laughs> and then you obviously at the beginning, you weren't even supposed to do that. So right. it was like, yeah, you couldn't, couldn't even do that. So, um, yeah, I think it was like, this is the thing, like I'm pretty good at working, you know, four or five days a week in the studio, but then having the release of the show was this nice like payoff where mm-hmm. you're like, yeah. And I made this club song. Now I get to hear it in the club. Right. And that's nice. Um, <laughs> But now it's like, cool. Now I get to go home and have wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, uh, it was kind of like trying to figure out how to fill weekends was like the struggle. It was like inverted. It was like the inverted problem of everyone else. Yeah, I no, I totally, I totally know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I mean, okay. So it, now that we're going back to it, we talked about you have these ideas for live shows and you're playing live shows in a few days here do you do you think you're going to balance it any differently was there anything nice about this enforced break that that changed the way you think about you know how you approach the the whirlwind that is this career um good question i don't know i think i'm gonna have to like do a couple first yeah i don't have any like crazy new takes i feel like i was pretty good like how i had it like i had a good balance of you know, taking it very seriously and preparing, but also um, having it as like a release and just like a fun time. And yeah. also at the same time, like not taking it too seriously because it's club music. Right. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I, I, sometimes I even do these conversations and I love them. I love talking about creative and stuff, but I'm also like, it's also just dance records. So like, Dude, it's, also have it's fun. so silly. <laughs> I, I talk about this all the time. Let's just be real. Like what we do for work is like silly, right? Like it's kind of a silly job that we have. And I, yeah. I mean that in, in, in the most fun, beautiful, positive way, but it's a silly job. It's totally silly. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like so lucky to do it. Like, and like, I feel like I see this on going back to TikTok all the time where it's like, people like make these musician TikToks where like, I didn't realize I had to do like, it's like producing your own vocals, like doing the marketing, doing the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you didn't realize you had to like do that. I don't get it. Like, what, like, what did you think? You just like made the song and then it, and then it, it blows up and you never have to do anything else. I, I don't know. It just feels kind of weird to me. Also, I'm like, it's a, this career is a decision you make. Right. Like, it's not like, right. It's not like you fell into the job out of high school, uh, because you like were working for your dad who was a DJ and, and he's like, suddenly makes you a DJ. <laughs> And then you're like, I didn't realize there was all this extra stuff I had to do with being <laughs> being a musician. Like, you're always choosing if you're an artist. That's I don't so know. funny. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I know, I know <laughs> what you mean, man. I, I definitely know what you mean. I, I, but okay, so talk to me. We got to talk about TikTok for a second because I only I only saw your rise to TikTok fame sort of through <laughs> your social media, and I, I, you know, I was just catching posts here and there. And yeah. so break it down to me because I legitimately don't know how this started. Like, was it yeah. just was it just a TikTok you made randomly that went super viral that kind of started you on this train? 
Yeah, I was like doing okay on TikTok. I had like, I don't know, 6,000 followers or something. So, and you know, you get verified on TikTok early because you, if you're an artist, you can like get your team to verify you or whatever. Um, yeah, it's another sort of, uh, it's like the, the uh, label helping you get on the radio kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just like that messes with people on TikTok so much because they, no one understands how verification on anything works yeah. apparently. Oh, not at all. Not even uh, close. They're like, but you only have this many followers. And I'm like, Okay. So, like, but it's not, they're not related. Well, that's, can, can we quick sidebar that I think is the most genius thing social media companies have ever done is they've kept the mystique of verification going for oh. so long now. Yeah. Like that to me is crazy that people still don't know how it works. And it's still this weird ephemeral thing that everyone wants, but no one even knows why they want it. Like yeah. there's some, there's some kind of evil genius in that. Kind of like getting guest list or something, you know. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like there's you kind of like have to like finagle a few things in within the system. Yeah, to like learn how 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 the how the the uh, cogs inside the machine work. Yeah, um, yeah. You got to pull back the curtain, and then it's much less exciting <laughs> than what you thought. Yeah. So I kind of had two viral moments on TikTok. Uh, this is some, I, the fact that I even like say these things as like conversations now is so stupid. I love it though. This is a silly career, man. Silly career. <laughs> yeah, you got to lean career. into it. What do you mean it's silly? Yeah. What do you mean? I'm a, I'm a serious TikTok <laughs> artist. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So basically like I was verified with like 5,000 followers and then everyone's like, how are you verified? Who even are you? All this stuff. Um, so I made this post that said like how I got verified and it was totally fake. Yeah. I had a spot if I put up a billboard for one of my songs and then I just said that I made a fake billboard and then I like emailed the, to TikTok and I took a screenshot of it. <laughs> so good. And everyone was like, wait, so like you like tricked them? Like, aren't they going to catch you? And I was like, no, it's all good. Like, I, <laughs> and then <laughs> Don't I just worry like, about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, it's a, I treat the app as dumb as I think it is. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And then, so that was fine. Like, Got a bit of like, you know, a few more followers and all that dumb, a few more likes, yep. a few more shares. Um, and then, yeah, this, uh, this guy, this kid named Josh was doing this interview show where he said this line, Louis Vuitton, cause I'm banned from the Gucci store, uh, in some interview show. And then this girl made this TikTok or she saw this clip and she responded to it and she was explaining, um, this, I'm not a producer, but this would be like, I feel like this would be a really cool song. Yeah. And she's like, it should say this and then it should build up. And then it goes, you should be permanently banned on the drop. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like that would work. <laughs> so someone sent me that video and it just, I just got in like at the right time. Cause no yep. one had made one yet, yep. or at least not, um, any ones that were half decent or whatever. Um, not that I think mine's decent or it's a meme. Uh, meme uh, Yeah, and I just made it in like literally 20 minutes, posted it, didn't think anything of it. I literally, I think the caption was like, because you stitch videos in Stitch or Duet, and I the caption was like, am I stitching correctly? Like, right. That was like my caption, like <laughs> literally has nothing to do with it. Um, yeah, and I think I, I like got some drinks with my friends that night 
And then I checked it at 1 a.m. and it was at like 800,000 views already yeah. or something <laughs> stupid. So I was like, this, this, I'm like, this one feels different. Uh, and I think it has 6 million views now, which is pretty nuts. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and, and we put it on Spotify and stuff. The song, because so many people asked. And I got the kid, Josh, to like get in a studio in New York to re-record the vocal. No, that's amazing. Yeah, because we couldn't um, use the clip from the audio from the audio from the interview show right um and then i was like in the studio all day like trying to finish this thing and i'm like have my album coming out in two weeks i'm like what am i doing yeah and uh, <laughs> uh i was like gotta get the meme out though the people need the meme it needs to come out like there's a window with a meme obviously oh, yeah um and uh i posted a clip of it and people were like it's not even the original audio wow and then i was like <laughs> fuck i gotta make it like sound exactly like the meme otherwise it's gonna yeah. like the whole thing is a is why even do it yeah a copy of a copy yeah and then i'm like so i'm taking the original audio his recorded version have them laid out beside each other like in ableton and i'm like pitching like literally the end of each word to try and match I, and i was like this is so stupid <laughs> like what am i doing and then i'm like and then it was recorded on a phone so i'm like making it sound worse yeah. trying to like put all this processing on it. i'm like he's in new york so i'm like downloading like new york times square background <laughs> noise and i was like what am i but i love this everyone i posted everyone was like oh i'm so glad you used the original audio so i was like yes nailed it baby <laughs> you did it i still know how to produce oh <laughs> uh, that's so good man and, and okay so let me tell you a story because you just connected something in my brain which is that, uh, so take it back to, to Vine days. You remember Vine, right? I love Vine. Okay, so- That's kind of why I like TikTok because it reminds me of Vine. That's like yeah, yeah. part of the- Oh, 100%. So I, I went very viral with an early Vine and uh, apologies to anyone on the podcast because I've talked about this before, but it's-, it's That's why I'm on the show because you're the guy from Vine, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you want to know how I got verified on Vine. <laughs> um, but no, okay, so you know uh, the the Rick Ross pear meme where he's like, I eat pears and shit like that now. Shout out to all the pears. Yeah. You heard that? So that, that was me. <laughs> I made that meme. And you like it. So the original meme, I found a uh, an interview of Rick Ross where he was just wasted in the UK talking <laughs> to Tim Westwood. And he just said that they were like backstage at a show, both of them obviously wasted and yeah. they, you could barely understand them. They're slurring. And he just was talking about Rick Ross's weight loss and, <laughs> and Rick Ross. Yeah. Just was like shirtless in a chair. And he was just like, shout out to all the pairs completely wasted and it was so funny to me i was like it was just one of those things where i was like people have to this someone else has to think this is as funny as i think this is you just took that six second clip and just posted yeah it and easily. i just and literally the same way you did it was the only vine i've ever made i made one and that was it and uh and my caption on it was something like uh i recreated my vine account just so i could post this and that was it. And it, and it went crazy. The same experience as you. It was like, you know, yeah. I, I think now it's at like 60 million views or something nuts. 
And it went, it went wild, man. Rick Ross bought like a $50,000 pear chain. Like, <laughs> you know, wow, like he embraced the meat. Oh, he went heavy on it for a minute. You know, this is many years oh, yeah. ago now, but, but so all of this to wrap up this ridiculous story is I didn't know what to do while it was going viral. I kept asking people, my team, other artists, all that. I was like, should I be doing something about this? Like, is there a way this can benefit me? (laughs) Like, I really had no idea. And because it was kind of early, uh, earlier social media and all that, like there wasn't that thought of like, well, let's turn it into a song or because people weren't like ideating on memes that quickly yet. Yeah. And so yeah, the meme, it was still a discovery of meme culture. Yeah. 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 And so you hearing you say that makes me feel better. Cause I was like, Oh, maybe it was just like the wrong time for that to happen. Maybe there wasn't something I could have done at that time. Yeah. That's harder too. Cause like every meme is kind of different too. Like some memes it's like, feels like there might be an obvious next step. And other ones are like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I made a video of me coughing and then the camera hit my head. Like, how do I follow that up? (laughs) You know what I mean? I love, I love that we're just getting, this is more and more like technical, theoretical about sillier and sillier things. I know it's like, it's a silly job, but it's technical. Um, (laughs) Well, let's, um, I mean, let's, no, I I agree. Like, cause it's like, I feel like pressure now to like, they're like, what's your next TikTok going to be? I'm like, I don't know. Cause like, <laughs> I wasn't trying to like do TikTok really. Yeah. I don't know. I was, I was trying to have fun. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. much my take. So I'm trying to just be more like, I should just keep having fun and not think about like whether or not this will go viral. I just post something that I think is fun. And just like, basically it comes back to like my whole ethos with everything. I'm like, is it a song that I want to listen to? Is it a TikTok that I think is funny or stupid? Is it like, do I want to be on Clubhouse or uh, do I think I'll skip that one because it doesn't feel like it works for yeah. me? Just, I don't know. Try and just like, have you like, do you feel, did you feel like you were busier in the pandemic weirdly? Um, towards the end of it, yes. I, I, I was definitely one of those people who went through somewhere in the middle. Like I just like, I don't know where I was. I dropped into a void for a couple months there. But uh, yeah, by, by the end of it, I mean, I like objectively was not busier, but I think my brain was busier. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Kind of like feel because you feel like because you can't don't have the extra things that you can just like release with that. So you feel like kind of like trapped. Yeah. The, there was like the, all this build up mentally of like all these ideas. I had plenty of time to think about what I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I didn't jump into, you know, like I'm only streaming now. I wasn't streaming through the whole pandemic, you know, so I I was a little late to some of it. But again, at the time, it didn't like talking about Clubhouse, all that. Like at the time, I was like, no, this doesn't I wouldn't enjoy doing this where I'm at mentally right now. You know, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Timing is everything. I know. On Like on the flip side, like that was another thing I liked about the uh, that was a thing I liked about the pandemic, which is a really fucked up sentence yeah. to say. Um, but um, I am going to finish this thought about the thing I liked about the pandemic. Uh, it kind of like for me revealed like who, like who the true creatives are sometimes. Yeah. So, because yeah. I, I always feel like that's sort of like what being a creative is. Is like I don't know. It sounds lame to call yourself a creative. I think sometimes it's like it's like kind of cringe. It's like calling yourself a foodie right. or something. Um, 
I even feel like cringy calling myself like an artist oh or something. It sounds like I'm like trying to be a fucking oh, painter. Dude, or something. I have such a bad habit on this podcast of starting sentences like as artists, you know, <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to cut true, it down. That's yeah. true, but it's also like, yeah, you like, it's a silly job. Yeah, um, it's a very <laughs> silly job. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, with restrictions, you know, it's like, it's kind of cool to see who, um, who adapts, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I, you know, the live streaming thing was fucking weird kind of, but like, then it became this thing where some people did some really cool shit oh, yeah. that never would have happened. And maybe, you know, because of it, you know, I, I was thinking like, maybe now we have all this sort of like infrastructure set up for festivals and stuff that exists because of the pandemic so that people can enjoy these things more if they weren't at yes. that festival yeah uh and i think that definitely is a net positive um, do you think you're gonna keep so. streaming i'm gonna keep doing it for now i like i um i I, th- I think it would come down to whether or not um like see how the tour schedule kind of unfolds yeah but i don't you know, it's not like I have my first show on Friday and I'm like, yes, now I can finally stop streaming. I don't feel that way about it. I kind of more so feel, um, yeah, I'm just going to do it till it stops being fun. Yeah. Well, that's, or I mean, you, not, not even that or, or just kind of like, I think sometimes, sometimes things just run their course. Yeah, of course, man. I, I, that's like the theme of this whole conversation, right? It's like, do, do what you think is fun at the time do what you think is a cool idea at the time. And there doesn't really have to be more thought to it than that. Totally. Yeah. And I also like weirdly, like I kind of low key think I'm like the sharpest I've ever been at DJing because of that. Mm, Yeah. I believe that. I I, I never like, I never really practiced that much. Well, and you didn't come into this as a DJ first, right? Totally. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, I feel like DJs say they like practice or whatever, but like, re- like, really? Are you like going to like your hockey practice? Yeah. Like hockey practice? Like, no. <laughs> so I didn't really think of it that way when I was doing it, like I was practicing. Um, but then like, you know, I'm DJing, I'm like talking on the mic, trying to like keep the chat vibe and or like, yeah. Oh, it's a whole I'm talking skill about set. the songs I'm playing and then I'm thinking about the next song. I'm getting drunk sometimes. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. A- am yeah. I right too? This is this is kind of the vibe I got, but I want to ask you if I'm actually right that maybe another silver lining of quarantine locally was that I started to see just through people posting, like it seemed like there was a little scene of DJs and producers in in BC like in the Vancouver area that banded together a little bit while you guys were all stuck there. Yeah. There was definitely a little bit of some, um, like community there. I definitely, I'm still kind of like lone wolfy in a weird way. Uh, but definitely like nostalgics. She came on my stream a lot. Um, love her. She's actually opening my show on Friday. Oh, sick! Shout out to her. She, I had her on this podcast too, man. She's great. She's the best. She's one of those people where I'm like, you're going to be fine because you, you fucking grind. Like, yeah. ugh, like that's it. I'm like, you already have the thing figured out that, that took, took, takes everyone forever to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And like, there's like the no thanks guys who I did a track with 
with my other project, Glass Pedals. And then the guy from Glass Pedals, Johnny, my good friend. So we, we were doing our stream for a while. Um, I did some writing sessions with Whip Cream, who I hadn't really worked with. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that because I, I mean, she's been on this show and, and also she, I consider her a friend. Hopefully she considers the same of me, but <laughs> I, I really like her. But you guys in the studio together was interesting to me. Yeah. And I don't know if the thing we'll, we did will will come out. We'll see. It's like, you know, it's music. Who knows? It could come out in three years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of like, I think she was just, you know, wanted to work on new stuff and was just trying to get some other like people who are like a range of styles in the studio. So they just reached out and had me come through one day and we'd met at a couple festivals. So we'd, we'd hung out a few times, but yeah. we'd, we'd never worked together, but she's another you know, grinder, hard. man. Like uh, I, I have so much. So yeah. Her work ethic is crazy. Crazy. And yeah, like all I care about, is like people that are in it for the right reasons. So nostalgics and whipped cream, hundred percent, both of you yeah. in it for the good reasons. So you're going to, I know you're going to be good and kill it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 1,000%. I mean, they already are killing it. I so. mean, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yes. yeah, they're, they're going to be fine, like you said. Um, well, and you mentioned Glass Pedals, which is your your side project as well. Uh, we talked about, you know, the formation of that project a bit on the last podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to the last podcast with Felix Cartel, whoever's listening to this now, you gotta go. You gotta go run that because that's the that's the origin story. That's the the backstory. We get into a lot there, but to to talk about glass pedals now, what's going on with glass pedals? Where where are you guys at? Is how how are you feeling about the project? I mean, you've been dropping a bunch of singles here and there. Yeah, I feel good with it. It's kind of like my uh, like my 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 response my when i don't feel like working on something more like melodic i'm just like ah, i want to make a banger today that's kind of like what glass pedals was for me yeah um so in a weird way i kind of feel like i'm making like early felix cartel records again mm. so i kind of like miss that a little bit um but produce way more in like a, a houseier way i guess like kind of house and techno with some maybe some early electro influences. But that's such a but, good uh, way to reconnect with what we were talking about, that nostalgic energy, that excitement of when you first did it, right? Like, I think that's that's like a cheat code almost. <laughs> to that. That's what so many of us are always chasing is that energy of when you first got into it, right? Totally. And um, it's just been nice to like, I've kind of just been sending out the, the songs here and there, like just as emails to friends and you know, when you make like really like uh, more like chiller melodic stuff, like you don't really get like the DJ feedback as much because there's like, I mean, and I get it. I'm just sending my stuff through and I, it doesn't, it's fine. But with all the glass pedal stuff, like, oh shit, like I'm going to rinse this tonight. So it's like, because they're just like, I'm making them specifically like yeah. for like peak hour club stuff. So um, yeah, I did a flip of like Justice Stress for that project, Ooh. and that was super fun. Yeah. And uh, you you put that out I, right or posted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's free. It's like free online. Yeah, that's and, what like, I thought. Like Zed posted a video of him playing the other day, so it's like a lot of the guys who I kind of like came up with. They're like, yes, yeah. like that's <laughs> like like Wolfgang. Hit, he DM'd me about it. He's like, yo, send me that stress thing, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, because yeah, everyone else wants to like also like relive that era, but like flip it in a way so that it's like. Because you, if you play stress for like a 
like in a stress edit and there's like a 20 year old at the show like they're probably not going to know that yeah. song maybe but it's going to like destroy them because that original is so oh, insane it's it sounds so good yeah so yeah it's been fun and then you know to uh to counter that i think you maybe just had him on the show dr fresh yeah 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 Did you he, that recently yeah he just came back on for the the round two but yeah that was like a few weeks ago yeah so we have a song coming out with him oh sick. um and he was just like he was actually in vancouver for a bit because his uh his girl's out here and um he was like yo let's make some fucking old school electro vibe shit but like but with like a modern yeah. tip and i'm like i was like you don't gotta tell me twice to drop some lfos let's go <laughs> so, <laughs> so we like we had a lot of fun with it and I'm really excited for the record. It's called The Answer. Nice. It's actually coming out like mid-July, so really soon. Oh, okay, great. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely... What month is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't fucking know, but <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely push that for sure, man. That That's great. Uh, is there, with glass pedals, is it like, are you planning bigger things or is it is it less of an agenda and more of kind of just like, let's have fun and, and if something happens, it happens? Yeah, like we had a bunch of parties lined up last year. Um, we were going to do a few things at um, Miami. We had some stuff like we've released on a bunch of labels now. So we've been sort of like talking with all those labels about like hopping on when they do label parties and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but ideally, like my goal with it is like if a city has like more of like the underground, like 300 person, like dimly lit club yeah. like i want to play that club with this project mm. i just want to like be in a sweat box um i want like people just like going crazy i want people like not caring if their a drink gets spilled on their shirt that night yeah because <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be the one spilling i'm just gonna throw drinks that's part <laughs> yeah, right. of the that's actually part uh, of the concept uh, of the project is you just launch glass pedals yeah. glass everywhere it's really unsafe <laughs> just you throwing uh, glasses at people all night yeah <laughs> um but also like my other kind of like dream goal with it is to do like my like if I had to like describe my absolute perfect scenario, which I don't know, we'll go. Here's my vision. It's on my vision board. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, would be like to do a Felix Cartel tour and then just do like after parties every night with glass pedals. There you like go. that would be like my dream. That would be amazing. I mean, you you would, could absolutely do that, man. I saw I saw Mr. Carmack open up for himself once. Like <laughs> like I and I'm not even kidding. He did like he opened up. It was a Mr. Carmack DJ set with a Mr. Carmack live band opening. Amazing. It was crazy and it worked yeah. really well. Did he just go back to back or was there something in between? No, it was just him. And it was this crazy, <laughs> like he, the band played and then he was like, give me five minutes and then I'll start DJing. <laughs> and then he just started. That's amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. And it worked really well. And it was too, the band was like jazzy, funk, like super like soulful and then you know the the dj set was like heavy bass and crazy trap shit it was amazing that's sick ah love that you could do it i mean when i when i did cascades party for sunsoak he did like an opening set on vinyl and then he also headlined it so i I, I love that too you can do whatever you want you really can people gotta remember that you you can do you literally get to make make up the rules yeah so uh 
Absolutely, you know, man. You do weird shit. People want more weird shit. Yes, absolutely. If you you're, if you think your idea is weird, it's probably not that weird. I, I, I always think. Yeah. I always think. Oh yeah. More like I get away with this, and I'm, and then and then you post it, and you're like, oh no, no one even <laughs> reacted. So it's like I obviously can push this way harder. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, man. Is that yeah? Any insecurities you have about your weird idea. In reality, I mean, the worst thing that's going to happen is like people aren't going to care and or people just yeah. aren't going to pay that much attention. And if that's the worst thing that happens, that's fine. Like if that's your baseline, it can, I don't know. Been there. Yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> been there. <laughs> I, I mean, I okay, so that. wait, what'd you say? I can handle that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Used to that. I'm very used to it. <laughs> very comfortable with that. <laughs> um, all right, I, I got a couple more things I, I got to make sure I talk to you about. One thing I absolutely have to talk to you about because I was shocked I didn't bring it up the first time around was we yeah. got to talk about The Simpsons for a minute. Oh, yeah. Because uh, no, I'm down. I, I know you are. And it's, I'm I, yeah, you got the Bart. And you've That's managed. That's a Bart phone. That's a Bart phone. I'm gonna grab it. Oh yeah, do it, please, please. I'm so excited. Oh, it's a different Bart. <laughs> you want to know the best part? I you were, I right. thought you were pointing to the other Bart behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's multiple Barts down here. Yeah, it's a Bart phone. Amazing. Is it functional? Uh, I don't know. I've never plugged it in actually. Okay. I, uh, I don't know, like, like our phone lines, even a thing anymore. <laughs> uh, my, my parents are proof that yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll take it to my parents' house and then I'll let you know. Yeah, please. <laughs> but, but maybe an update on podcast three. Yeah, exactly. We'll do work? that over the Bart phone next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, in all of this, we're talking about silly career. We're talking about the importance of like emphasizing the fun of it. I really like, you know, obviously I, I love the Simpsons. It's obvious you love the Simpsons, but you've leaned into it almost as uh, I'm hesitant to use the word branding, but you know, you've <laughs> kind of incorporated it into your aesthetic in, yeah. in all these ways that again, feel very authentic and, and genuine in ways. I don't know. Not everyone does it that cleanly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely wasn't like this contrived like game plan. It was kind of like, um, I think it kind of low key. It st obviously started with my Twitch. Um, and I think it low key kind of started with just like having to come up with emotes. Like you have to oh, come sure. up with custom emotes. And I was like, just screwing around with some Simpsons ones. So I did them. And then kind of from there, I was like, maybe I'll make the layout look kind of Simpsons-y too. And then that'll like go with the emotes. And then people started coming on and be like, got a nice got a strong Simpsons vibe in here. I like this. Yeah. So then I was kind of like, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the vibe. Yeah. And then, yeah, now like the Twitch, like we affectionately have called the Twitch like crew, like the Bort gang. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I just saw someone in the chat shouting out the Bort gang. It's been really fun. And I think it's just like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I think like, trying to come up with these things that are like authentic to you. That's like always like people like you got to come up with your brand and it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you kind of like stumble upon it more though. Oh more yeah. So than yeah. Like Try Because again, this goes back to things we've already said. If you're trying, if that's your intention is like, now I will invent my brand. That's never <laughs> going to work. You know, 
it's right. It's, like people are like, you know, when people like have a really contrived like, what do I call my fans? Yeah. Oh my and god. It's painful. Oh my god. They're like trying to like put their name somehow with it, and it's yeah, just like exactly. Hurts. What's up, cartel gang? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Felixians or something. Felixians. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> you might want to use that. <laughs> You can use that. Just make it make no sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> that would be great. That was kind of like, that was my thing. I was like, man, people are like, I think sometimes people come on the stream and they're like, oh, wait, it's, wait, feels, it feels cartel? Sick. Like, they like don't even know right. what's happening. I just came like, here for the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like that. I don't know. That's kind of my sense of humor too. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I'm yeah, having fun. I, I don't know. I'm I've been doing this like I've been making music since 2007. I'm like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just having fun. Yeah, it, it's just, beautiful. Just making stuff, and I was like, we'll just do Simpsons till we get sued. <laughs> and if we get sued, maybe that'll be good promo for the stream. Oh, 100. <laughs> percent And you're you're part of a long line, a beautiful lineage of like bootleg Simpsons shit. Oh yeah, you know? I love bootleg Simpsons so much. Yeah. There was a bootleg Simpsons uh, art show in Vancouver one time, and it was like one of my favorite Ooh, nights. That sounds just great. Do you ever yeah. you ever talk to uh, Nick Catchdubs about that? He's big into bootleg Simpsons like memorabilia. No, I haven't, but I I feel like I've seen it seep through because he was doing all the Fool's Gold stuff. Am I correct yeah. with that? Uh huh. Yeah, still is. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I saw it seep through in some of their art sometimes. Yes, a hundred percent. I'll have to hit him up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah just, I'll just send him a photo of the phone and be like, <laughs> are you free for a call? <laughs> <laughs> he would love that. <laughs> um, but okay, so a couple more things. Uh, and by the way, for anybody in the chat, uh, if you want to ask a question, we'll try to answer a couple questions here before Felix gets out of here. But uh, you can submit them. There's a link to do that. But for, for Felix, my friend, what I want to ask you, this is sort of back to more, more advice, because we gave some advice last time to uh, up and coming producers, oh. and it. I wanted to do a little bit more of it because um, I, I think you're really good at dispensing these little nuggets. And one thing oh. I wanted to talk to you about, and to bring it back to the new album, uh, Expensive Sounds for Nice People, out right now. Uh, hey man, got to do it. Uh, so you're working with tons of vocalists and we talked about that process and you talked about how you kind of have these notes on your phone of maybe themes you want to talk about. I know you're involved with the lyric writing process. And I think working with vocalists from a producer angle is, is kind of a black hole to a lot of people. And I think a lot of people don't know what's the, how, do, how do you find a vocalist to work with? What is the proper way to approach somebody? What's a productive way to work with a vocalist and have it, you know, ha have it feel like a really fruitful collaboration? And uh, I think you are, are well positioned to dispense wisdom on this because you've been doing it for, for a while. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do my best. I, it's definitely <laughs> like, a, um, it's not like there's a clear cut way. I don't think, uh, I think there's like a multitude of ways you can go about it. So just to get like out of the way immediately, like obviously like I have a publisher now, so they're constantly connecting me with writers and stuff if I want to do that. But that... That's a great thing. And that's, I only have that, have had that recently. Yeah, that's some of it. And, but that being said, like a lot of my sessions don't go through them. It's just sort of like met uh, more organically. And yeah. that would come to, I mean, sometimes it's really as simple as 
I will just send someone a message that will be like, if I like a song that they put out and, you know, sometimes like, I think if you're an artist and you're just starting, which I'm uh, probably speaking to more here is finding people that are like more on your level and kind of like working your way up a little bit or, but, but also like finding just the people that you like legitimately like a song by and then just messaging them and being like, Hey, I heard your song today and I thought it was really good. And then if they like respond back, like chat a little bit and then just be like, like, um, a lot of the time people have been like, they'll almost get to it for me. They're like, Oh, I see Like, are you a producer or something? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, this is kind of my stuff. If you ever want to try and do something, we should do it. And like, I, that's like the move with doing like a DM yeah. and also just having stuff ready too. So if someone does say yes, like having something ready to send them, because yeah. if you like leave them on the hook for too long, it's like the interest will die pretty quick. And isn't that funny, man? Cause I'm sure you've seen this with people sending you music or, or anything uh, similar to that, where it's, people will approach you super strongly and be like, oh, let's work together or I want to do this and this and this. And then the second you ask them for whatever the thing is, like, oh, okay, can I hear the song? Yeah. Then it's like, oh, well, you know, I, let me, okay, cool. I'll finish it and I'll send you yeah. something in a week. Or, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, immediately that puts you in a different category in my head. Oh, for sure. It's like they have the, um, it's like they have the things backwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. To me, that's the same with like promoing record where it's like, it's like, I need to get all my promo line. Like, yeah, you probably should like work on your record more first. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because like, if it's good, it'll like also promo itself a little bit because people want to listen to it again. Uh, Not to to shoot too many shots. But um, yeah, like the other thing too is like for vocalists reaching out to producers, because that happens to me a lot is... um, yeah, just having stuff to show is so important because I've had so many times people have reached out like, I really want to do a song with you. Like, I love your stuff. And I'm like, cool, like, where can I hear your stuff? And then they have nothing. And they're like, yeah. I'm just like, how do I know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, just like work on your stuff. And then honestly, just approach people. Remember that everyone's just like, we're just everyone's just a person. And like, if you just approach it from like a, a kind place of like being a fan and not like a fan boy, but being like just a lover of music and being like, I, yo, your song was really cool. Yeah. Like just want to let you know. And then if they, and if they don't respond, maybe you can do like, well, maybe one more message in like a couple of weeks. And then that's going to kind of move. And then you move, yeah. move on. You don't want to be that person with like 80, Oof. 18 unread DMs in a row. It's no. not good luck. <laughs> um, How did it for you, like early on, if you think back to some of your earliest vocal collaborations, how, how did it yeah. happen the first couple of times around? Um, yeah, it was definitely like Twitter was a big part of it. Like I would reach out to people on Twitter. Um, and then, um, same thing, like my, my manager and stuff would help me find people here and there. They just be like, Oh, I, this, this person's cool. You should, you should try to write with them. But definitely like, yeah, SoundCloud and Twitter was a big part of it. A lot of times you'd like hear someone on someone else's record and go from there. And then kind of like, once you work with someone, if you're just kind of like, Hey, this was awesome. And then if you had a good vibe, uh, if you have any other friends who are writers, like, let me know. Yeah. That's like huge too. Cause then if you have like, that's like the easiest way to get in sessions, people with like another artist, like just like suggest you because then 
um, that you're like kind of already vouched for, right? Yeah, it's it's all relationships, right? Yeah. Like that's so when I was in, yeah, I did a lot of this album in Norway. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so I was there two and a half weeks writing a lot of it, and um, during quarantine, no pre, okay. yeah, it was the end of 2019. Um, just like kind of writing out the vocal ideas and then like all, most of the production happened afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I think I was, since I was there for two weeks, you know, I think I had like maybe six sessions booked or something, but then kind of like once I had those sessions booked, I also just like messaged everyone in those sessions and said, yo, if you have any other people that you think I should write with and went about here, let me know. Cause I'm super open to it. Mm. So, and then I got connected with Hannah Mjohan and Jim Berkstead and uh, they ended up getting two songs on my record. So, and I hadn't met them before, but Isseline, who I'd written with a bunch, she's like, oh, you got to write with my friend Hannah and Jim because they're awesome. So yeah, it was just like, and it was super casual. It was just like, just like the, that kind of vibe. And uh, yeah, so I don't know, just like go into it being like, I want to make good songs and I want to have fun and like, don't act like you're, better than anyone because it's just making you just making songs sure well how do you approach it uh because again i i know you write some of the lyrics yourself as well right and you're sort of coming up with the the concepts how do you kind of thread that needle of you know let's make this a collaboration let's make this bigger than the two of us individually but also like let i have you know i have this concept i want to execute yeah um Man, I think I talk about this with Lights a lot because she's collaborated with so many EDM artists and she kind of like describes that there's like two types of collabs um, where like the artists who are like really trying to like make it so it's like your song together and then some of the other ones it's kind of like you do the song and then you don't really talk to them. Yeah. Uh, and she's always saying that she prefers, she obviously like, she's like, I wrote a part of the song. Like I I'm more than happy to be uh, part of it and, and stay involved and things like that. And I'm always like the same way. Like I want to make that artist feel like it's our song, not like they're just um, a guest, I guess. Mm. So um, even like, as I'm coming up on the song, like I'll just like text people and be like, yo, we should just like, you should text me this and then we'll post this text message as like the promo and just like dumb, like fun shit like that. And, yeah. I don't know, just like fun stuff where it like feels like you're like in it together. And I think, you know, you got to remember that like, you know, everyone, um, it's so hard to get songs out there sometimes so that like when they finally do happen, you want to try and make it special. So, yeah, no, absolutely, man. And I think what what you're talking about, it's again, we've hit it about a million times in this conversation. It's It's the fun of it, right? Like, not not trying to get something out of somebody, but just trying to have fun with somebody. Totally. Yeah. That's like, it should all just come back to like, let's just try to make a song we like. Yeah. That's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Simplify. I, mean, I just try to simplify as much as possible. I, I love that. Well, okay, man. I know I've kept you for a long time. Uh, I'm just looking at questions here. We got, we got uh, one Peruvian guy, which is a great screen oh. name. And What's up, Bort Gang? He's a Bort yeah, Gang you for sure. Know. Uh, he <laughs> said, uh, well, he said two things. One, he says, your album is wavy, smiley face. And uh, <laughs> then he asks about uh, if you're thinking about any glass pedals shows in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I mean, realistically, like shows for us probably won't happen until like 
very end of this year, maybe early next year, but I wish I had information, but it's still sort of like figuring stuff out with, uh, the travel restrictions in Canada, unfortunately. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I want to. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> are, are you ready? Like, do you miss the the touring part of it? Are you like raring to go at this point? Oh yeah, I'm like so tired of Vancouver, and I want to get the get get. A, I liked Vancouver when I was felt a little more like a tourist in the city, and less like I actually lived here. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Are you going to stay there? Because you've always been there, man. Are do you think after this you would consider moving more? I think I just feel that way a little bit because I'm here so often and I was so used to like not being here so often that, uh, yeah. So I think once I, if I get back to normal, then I, I probably will go back to feeling like, yeah, I like Vancouver and I like being close. I love being close to my family. And that was like another nice thing, uh, in the pandemic is, um, you know, my nephew's almost three now and it's been fun getting to know him and stuff and catching up with my sister and her husband. And, you know, it was just like, we're having dinners every week and it's just like nice to hang out with family and stuff. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't get to do that if I was traveling all the time. So that's, that's been really nice. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful, man. And maybe that's uh maybe that's a takeaway, right? Is like, there's certain things we want to protect after this period, even when we go back to running all over the place. And yeah, no, I'll be like, guys, I, I put in like eight years of work in the last two years. All right. You, yeah. it's, it's fine. He'll remember me now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we made memories. Yeah. 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 We watched that show that one time yeah. about the dogs, Paw Patrol. That was great. Paw Patrol. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I, I'll wrap it up just by uh, quoting you to yourself one more time because I, I really liked this. I was just scrolling your Twitter a second before we started talking. And you said that uh, someone just said to you that uh, they gave you a compliment that you're always grinding and always working on something new and that that made you a little emotional. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) wait, what'd you say? I said that was a slightly dramatic tweet, but yeah. No, of course, of course. But I kind of love that, man, because, you know, from talking to you uh, on this podcast and off, like that's, that's the sense that I get that there's, you know, obviously you said consistency is important to you. Uh, we talked about last time, I think the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours. We talked about how in this quarantine, you filled your day with, you know, all these new things. Like, is that part of the fun for you? It, like, is that is the process part of the fun? Is that why you've been able to like you're a very even keeled person about all of this, you know, even when things are up or down, like it seems like for you, if you're sticking to that game plan, maybe that's part of the enjoyment of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally like, what am I going to do? Just do nothing. (laughs) 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 But some people do do that, you know? Yeah. What do they, what do they do all day? I I don't know. Watch watch Paw Patrol probably. I guess I always try to remember like when I was really young and wanted to do music, be like, man, it'd be so sick if I didn't have to fucking go to school and do this stupid essay this weekend. If I could just work on a song this weekend, that'd be way more fun. So now that I get to do that, I guess I try to remember that and uh, not take it for granted. Well, fuck, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, I I don't (laughs) think I can wrap it up better than that. (laughs) Man, uh, how are you feeling, man? I know I kept you a long time. You feel good? Yeah, I feel great. This was awesome. Uh, such a pleasure. And also, I like your new glasses. Oh, thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I got got a couple new pairs. Glasses gang. Uh, you, you're a glasses. You're, you're always glasses guy, right? Not always, but I, I, uh, 
I'm definitely a glasses guy as well. Yeah, you got to go hard on the glasses, man. It's just fun. Got to. It's a, it's a it's a fun accessory, you know. It's really it's fun. Yeah, glasses are great. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, it just aesthetically. I mean, I'll, I'll give you this last compliment, and then we can go. But I, I think aesthetically, also, that's something I've always admired about you. And I'm not just talking about fashion, although the fashion is very nice. But you know, from from the fashion to the way you make your videos look to the sound, like. The, I, you think about aesthetics and I can tell that and I don't think everybody can can tell that and maybe we can dive into that more on part three. I love that and I appreciate you for noticing it and that lovely compliment. And also this was so fun and I love talking about music and I'm always down to come back on the show because this is so fun. I, this is so fun, man. I, I really, truly enjoyed this. I love you. It's great to talk to you. And, uh, you know, as this all opens back up, maybe we can do part three in person. Hell yeah. Let's have some drinks. <laughs> yes, buddy. All right, man. Take care. Have a good one. All right. Peace, All bro. Right. Bye-bye.